Hi, this is Let's Go Again, a philosophical and practical podcast for indie creatives navigating reality while building the dream. I'm your host, Courtney Romano, a writer, director in New York City, and the founder of Queensbird Films. In today's episode, we're going to talk about happiness. If you're like me, you have a goal. Maybe it's tangible and real. Maybe it's somewhat of a fantasy. Maybe you want to be on Broadway or perhaps open your own art gallery in Chelsea. Or maybe you want to be nominated for an Academy Award. And the reason you've made that your big goal is because you think it's going to make you happy. You think there, way over there, in that distant future, once you get the thing, all your inner and outer challenges will be fixed. And then you'll be happy. But happiness is a paradox. And achieving it is not as simple as just reaching your goal. So how then do we become happy, especially as we're navigating the life of an indie creative? That's what we're going to talk about today. But first, updates from this week and an offering for you. In this week's What I Worked On, I'm here to tell you I didn't work on much. My baby is going through a sleep regression and it is heinous. And the time that I usually work at night is spent rocking a baby. And the time I usually work in the morning is spent rocking a baby and woefully, sadly, naively trying to get him back to sleep in his crib. So I have not gotten back into writing the feature at all. Haven't opened final draft, haven't dotted an I or crossed a T. What I have done is some more left brain work. I am working on actually a partnership right now that I'm really excited about. And I'm making something for you filmmakers out there who might want to make your own web series. So that's been really cool. And I'm really, really excited to share that with you. Uh, If you're listening to this in the future, it's already available. If you're listening to this when this comes out, it will be in the next couple of weeks. So that's been really exciting. And I'll say this for the future. I, I am getting inundated with some big ideas and I'm feeling a little intimidated by them. I'm at the point in the writing process that is thinking. And just a side note, don't let anyone ever tell you that thinking is not part of the writing process. Words on the page is simply the end result of a lot of thinking. I think it was David Mamet in his masterclass who said when he was telling his kids that he was going to go write, his daughter was like, oh, so you're going to go take a nap? And truthfully, there's a lot of stuff that happens in the writing process that isn't happening while you're writing. So I've been getting these ideas. They're they're huge ideas. There there's nothing specific. It's like themes and big picture concepts and some things that could happen to my main character, but but they're so broad and they're so expansive that my little brain is like, "Oh no, how can I actually make that work?" And I'm constantly rocking a baby. So like, I don't want to go into the draft and lose the thought. Anyway, it's been a lot and it's been intimidating, these thoughts. And it's been, um, you know, a little bit difficult to focus. And that's just how it goes sometimes. And I should also say, if you hear my son in this podcast you know, thank you for bearing with me. He has an amazingly cute voice and he loves to use it. And so, you know, he might be making a guest appearance. Anyway, the point is 
I haven't done much work on the feature draft this week. I hope I have something to report to you next week, but we'll just go fingers crossed because this sleep progression is crazy. Okay, let's pull a card for today. So as always, I think there are lots of great ways to connect with your intuition. And for me, tarot cards, oracle cards, um, that kind of tool is a great way to connect with my intuition. It tells me something that I either already know or that my unconscious mind or my dreams are trying to tell me. And it's just a great way to kind of cross the bridge from your unconscious thoughts to your conscious actions. So today I'm going to pull a card for everyone who is listening to this either in the future or right this moment. Um, This is for you, wherever you are in your journey. Take it however you will. I'm going to shuffle the cards and then I'm going to read you what it means so that we can get an idea of maybe where we're at or how we're feeling about a big question in our brains in the creative process that we're currently in, or maybe a nudge in a certain direction, or synchronicity, a confirmation, or something that's just kind of fun. All right, I'm splitting the deck. And the card that we got today is the Six of Wands. Okay, I'm reading from the Rachel Pollock book. And in it, she says, The Six of Wands, taken alone without other suits, especially cups for water, wands fire can be overwhelming. In the six, we automatically add water, even without any cup cards around it, because the image of the six-pointed star consists of interpenetrating fire and water triangles. So there's a sense of harmony, the harmony of fire. And then the possible interpretations that she writes are passion, romantic or shared enthusiasm, situations that are exciting and harmonious at the same time, confidence and optimism, the ability to inspire others. I think the thing that comes out for me right away is this idea of harmony and thinking about how happiness and creating a goal that we're going after and and, and achieving it can have this almost duality to it. Like we're really excited going towards it and then we get it. And then what's on the other side? Do we just lose it? Do we stay happy forever? And what we'll talk about in today's episode is actually, you know, the paradoxical nature of happiness and in achieving our goal and even setting meaningful goals. So that's what's sticking out to me right now is that there's like this passionate kind of excitatory nature to the card, but it's also about balance and this kind of fire and water duality and how maybe that is a nature of happiness that we're going to tap into today in this conversation. So let that set the tone for today's episode all about happiness. I want to talk about happiness, but first I want to tell you a story. Years ago, when I was still acting, I was on 42nd Street and Broadway. I had booked an off-Broadway show, and it wasn't a great show, but I was the lead, and I knew that what I was doing was new and engaging and personally an up-level for me. So it all felt pretty good, even though it was pretty bad. And I was walking to work one night, And the theater was on 42nd and 8th Avenue, so I had to go through Times Square. And I was waiting at this crosswalk on Broadway, 
And a thought flashed through my head while I was waiting for the light to change. And that was, I'm on Broadway, the street, going to my show. I'm literally on Broadway going to perform the lead role in new work, which was exactly what my goal was at the time. My off-Broadway theater was right next to a Broadway theater. And then this thought flashed through my mind. The only technical difference between the two theaters is how many seats are in it. Off-Broadway can have up to 499 seats, but once you hit that 500th seat, you're a Broadway house. Now, there are actually lots of other factors that go into discerning if it's off-Broadway or Broadway. So this is not the way it is all of the time, but this is where my brain was going. So I realized, okay, it's a matter of a, of a seat. So this is it. I'm literally standing on Broadway. I'm literally walking to my show to play the lead in a new work in which I'm getting paid. And the difference between my theater and the Broadway theater next door is a seat. So if that's true, then I've, then I've made it. Then this is it. This is what it would feel like to be officially on Broadway. So I took a deep breath. I crossed the street. And then I thought, do I want this? I don't think you have to have a cinematic moment every time you have a big realization like this, but obviously it doesn't hurt. You know, the taxi's going by, the lights of the big city and Times Square and all that. But what that moment brought up for me was a reckoning of what I thought would what I thought would make me extremely happy and content and fulfilled and then what actually happened. I enjoyed doing that show. I enjoyed performing. I had this flash of insight that truly convinced me, Court, you made it. Like, this is it. I wasn't trying to convince myself. I really felt it. And yet, my happiness level was pretty much unchanged. The reason for this is the hedonic treadmill theory. You've maybe heard this before, or at least heard about the hedonic treadmill. This theory states that human beings are such adaptive creatures that after positive or negative events, we'll come back to the same baseline of happiness. And that is called our happiness set point. The way psychology came to this theory was through a study of lottery winners. They studied them and found that after the initial happiness spike of winning, they all reverted back to their own personal happiness set point. Winning the lottery didn't necessarily make their lives happier. This is kind of sad, but then you can consider the other side of the study, which looked at folks who had terrible accidents with life-changing effects. And the finding was that the lottery winners and accident victims both returned to their pre-event happiness levels within a few months or years. And that is called hedonic adaptation. And it essentially restores us back to our happiness set point after big wins or big losses. It might take a few months or years, but we'll essentially settle back to where we are right now. That's our happiness set point. We are there whether we go super high or super low. We always come back to that happiness set point. So it brings us to the question, can we increase our happiness set point and feel happier now? I am a Sagittarius rising, so I'm a pretty optimistic person. I think I'm positive in the big sense, but oh, wow, can I get negative in the nitty gritty of day to day, especially when I am sleep deprived and my child is sleep deprived. And I know that for all the big goals I have for my filmmaking career, no job or award or recognition is going to give me the lasting feeling of contentment and happiness that changing my relationship 
with that day-to-day nitty-gritty stuff in my creative process is going to give me. So how to change it? There are lots of thinkers out there who have positive psychology answers for this, but I want to share the three things that I think will help creative people specifically. They apply to everyone, obviously, but I want to put these three ways to increase happiness in context of an indie creative career. So number one, the first way, and maybe, well, I won't say most important because I feel like I'm probably going to say that about all three, Um, but the first one that is one way to increase your happiness set point, your base level of happiness is pain, not harm. So it's actually a certain amount of pain, struggle, or challenge that increases our happiness set point. This does not mean harm. So this isn't like a sanitation of harms and wrongs done and like, oh, you'll be better for suffering this tragedy. No. What I mean by pain is that there is some kind of effort and energy you have to put into your growth. There's a certain muscularity to it, a a certain difficulty. I think of it like in running. I used to run a lot. And there is this weird satisfaction I always had when I would run up a hill. I remember going up Harlem Hill in Central Park. And if you're familiar with it, you know, it's like, you know, this kind of dreaded hill uh, in the Central Park loop. And I was dreading it. But then as I was running up the hill, I was loving it. It was because I was pushing against something. I could feel the earth shift upwards and then I could feel my body doing everything I could to climb it. I was in pain. I couldn't breathe. My muscles were taxed and it felt amazing. So pain is not necessarily something that's bad or even not pleasurable, which is this paradoxical thing that we're kind of tapping into. In fact, I think too often we are seeking familiar, comfortable things, thinking that the familiar, comfortable things will make us happier, but it's the pain of having done something difficult that inspires, you know, pride, self-trust, new skills, and those things can increase our baseline of happiness. So for indie creatives, I think this means being tolerant of failure by putting out your work again and again. That can be painful to be afraid that no one's going to like it or no one's going to look. It could also mean seeking out new skills that are difficult to learn like Photoshop or printmaking or marketing in order to get your projects moving. Or maybe it's in the micro, you know, waking up early to work on your book proposal when you'd rather sleep in. Your pain is not always equivalent to someone else's pain. What's hard for me is probably not hard for you and vice versa. But the key is finding your own pain point and then running towards it. The second thing that can help increase our happiness set point as it relates to being an indie creative is relationship. Everyone says, everyone on the internet, when I went down this rabbit hole, says that good relationships are the thing that improve our overall happiness in life. I mean, if you were around during COVID, and my son is probably the only one that I know right now who wasn't around in COVID because um, he's nine months old, but if you were around in COVID, then you know you get this. We all felt cut off from each other. Relationships were, you know, even the small relationships that we missed out on during COVID, the people at the coffee shop, the person that we walk by every week on the street, like these, these were connections. We couldn't see the family and friends that we loved so much. And relationships really add to our 
happiness set point. They can be anything, right? Not necessarily romantic or even familial. They can be the guy at the bodega, the neighbor who feeds your cat for you, the train conductor you see every morning on your way to work. But whoever it is, relationships are vital to the way that we set our baseline of happiness. So for indie creatives, this could mean how you expand your orbit. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm working on a partnership right now that is really exciting. And also, I'm so used to working alone that I'm kind of nervous about it. It's stretching me to collaborate in a way I haven't collaborated in a while, and I'm hoping it goes well. And so maybe relationships for you is about just choosing one person to share your script with for feedback. Or maybe it's reaching out to one DP if you're a director and getting coffee. Or maybe it's joining a membership or a group of people all working on the same business strategies together. But one way to increase that happiness level so that when you win the Academy Award, you really feel great for a long time, one way, one practical way to do that is to build out your relationships now. Create more connections out there and bring more people into your orbit, enter other people's orbits, and keep expanding that way. The third thing that we can do to increase our happiness set point has to do with value-based goals. So the difference between goals and value-based goals is the interiority factor. For regular goals, you're choosing something outside of yourself to strive for. The award, the gig, the fame, the money. For value-based goals, you're choosing something inside of yourself to strive for. Integrity, connection generosity, expression. The interiority factor is something that the Stoics actually talked about in their own way. They suggested only making goals that you are in total control of. So instead of making a goal of getting my script bought by a major studio, the goal would be make this the best script I've ever written. And then we'll see where the chips fall beyond that. So for indie creatives, this doesn't mean, this doesn't mean, I'm underlining. This doesn't mean give up on those external goals either. Like, go ahead, get yourself an Academy Award. I am all about that. Let's all get an Academy Award. But it does mean knowing that the award will not increase your happiness set point. But perhaps waking up every morning to write a little more each day will because it's aligned with your value of expression. And it's something that contributes to the nitty gritty day to day stuff in our creative process, where we can get lost. I think the thing that's not being said here yet is that the pain, the relationships, the value-based goals have one thing in common, which is they bring us back to the present moment. And the present moment, even when it's difficult, is an engaging, enriching place to be. Just look at any young kid and you'll see that they have no beef with the present moment. They are happily in it. When it's upsetting or when it's exciting, in all its iterations, they are happily present. And for my money, that's the whole point of this being a live situation that we find ourselves in. And that's the whole way to make art, maybe the whole reason to make art, to bring us back into presence. As human being creatures, we are notoriously bad at predicting what will make us happy because we're using past information to predict the future. 15-year-old Court thought for sure that she would be beside herself if she was close to being on Broadway. 
But 27-year-old Court, when she was actually that close to being on Broadway, was pretty much at the same happiness set point as usual. What 15-year-old Court wouldn't have been able to predict, because she had no information showing her that this could be true, was that when I was 29-year-old Court writing my book for the first time and actually engaging in the creative process in a values-based way instead of an external way, it was one of the happiest creative experiences of my life. I loved waking up in the morning and writing. I loved attempting to express myself day after day after day. No one saw it. No one really knew I was doing it except my husband. And it was incredibly satisfying. It was gratifying. It made me feel good. And it taught me a new way to express myself and be myself, a way that I was able to carry forward for years and years to come. And it 1000% increased my happiness set point. So now let's make this whole conversation about paradoxical happiness, let's make it practical for your creative work and set up a value-based goal. We're coming to the end of the year, if you're listening to this when this is published, and before we get super wrapped up in big goals and resolutions and bad predictions we're going to make about our 2024 happiness, let us recalibrate and choose some value-based goals for our creative work. So this will be quick and easy. You can either pause this and go back and journal or just, you know, listen to it and think about your answers from there. So number one, first, ask yourself, when in the past have you felt real happiness or satisfaction? Has that been after a project has released or, you know, the example of me running up Harlem Hill, exercising, working out? Was it dinner with friends? And once you figure out where you felt that real happiness and satisfaction and gratification, what value was present in that moment? What was so gratifying? Was it expression? Was it, um, you know, realizing that you're strong, you know, your strength, you're super strong running up that hill? Was it the self-trust that you felt after completing a project and doing what you said you were going to do and feeling proud of that? What value was present in that moment? And then number two, ask yourself, what project idea or creative pursuit might align you more deeply with that value? So if your value was expression, then perhaps writing or creating something uh, like a book or an ebook or a podcast or something like that naturally aligns with that value of expression. It could be your value to connections. So if you're a filmmaker, instead of going for that Academy Award, you can make your value-based goal collaborate with five new writers next year. You can see how this sort of reframe gives you two things. It gives you tangible goals that are achievable because you are in control of them. And it gives you a pathway to feeling happy in your work. Increasing your happiness does not cancel out your edge. This is my argument, at least. My argument is that it gives you more of an edge. You are more nimble, more flexible, more creative, more courageous when you feel at home in your present moment. When you feel a generalized optimism for what could happen next without being overly attached to the results. And in a world that pushes us to validate ourselves externally, especially as artists, creating happiness in our lives because of our inner values 
what we believe in, and what we want to create feels like a pretty big win. All right, that's all I got for today. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much for everyone who has rated and reviewed us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you haven't done that yet, I would be so grateful if you did. There are a bunch of free things in the show notes. At this point, I'm totally unclear as to what I'm going to be putting in the show notes (laughs) bottom of this. But there's a November reading list. There's a trigger list for green lighting your project. There's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff. So just go into the show notes, find what you know speaks to you. If you're a creative or a filmmaker, anyone, anyone, it, there's a little bit of something for everyone. And um, I really appreciate you being here. If this resonated at all, I would love for you to email me, write to me. Hello at Queensbird Films. Tell me what you thought of this episode, what your happiness set point is, and if any of this resonated or any of our podcasts resonate, I'd love to hear from you and get into a conversation. So thank you very much for listening. We are going to be back next week. I love you so much. Have a great week. Bye.